In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. So, all right. Um, so, I actually have a pre-question before oh, the question. The it's, main question? Yeah, it's like a, kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure question. Love it. Okay. Um, so, the, the choose-your-own-adventure question is, how tinfoil hat conspiracy theory nuts do you want to start the episode? Because oh, we, gosh. we're going to get there. I'm pretty okay. sure on this episode, but I mean, like, we're how like, like, do we want to well, like, start what's... at a hundred? Do we want to like <laughs> work up to it? Um, I I wish I knew exactly what a hundred was, but let's like bang into a hundred. Okay, so when the aliens come to invade Earth, yes, when that happens, yes, tomorrow maybe. Maybe in a couple hours. We don't know. Um, Do you think, where do you land? Where do you land on the spectrum of, do you think when the aliens invade, they're going to kill us all? Or do you lean more towards they're going to come and they're going to save us from ourselves and we're going to like start a whole new chapter of existence? Where do you fall on that spectrum? Whoa. Um, I would say on that spectrum, I've never thought about it. Just going to be honest. Um, I think I would fall somewhere in the middle of that. I, cause both of those seem like one is very, very grim and one, one seems like a little too hopeful. Sure. (laughs) Um, so I'm in the middle where I think maybe they would come and just be like curious about us Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just like chill. And we're we're gonna chill with them. That's sort of where I land on that. Maybe. I mean, that too already sounds like maybe it's too rosy. Best case scenario. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, it's maybe best of best case scenario to say they're gonna come and they're gonna fix all of our problems. That's like yeah, the f- true but, best of best. Yeah, but I guess just them like being chill and us being chill is also probably unrealistic. Indeed. Um, but I would I lean towards they are benevolent and not malevolent. Does uh, that are those words right? Yes, you did. Well done. <laughs> Good work. Get those SAT vocab uh, flashcards. Too late out. now. <laughs> uh, no, that's for our listeners who might be studying for the SAT. Oh yes. Um, oh yes, yes, yes. Which. Is a hopeful feeling. Ooh, yeah. That, <laughs> what type, that we're speaking what type of to high schoolers <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> that we're getting that early or late 
Gen Z boom on our listenership. That would um, be wild. Because, the, so, yeah, because, like, this is a sci-fi thing, the inv- and invasions of varying persuasions of yeah. entities. And they do kind of run the gamut of, like, they're going to kill us all. Um, they're hell-bent on destruction. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like they're going to kill us all and kind of kill the planet, like, suck up mm-hmm. the resources from the planet and leave, like, an empty husk. Yeah, um, yeah. Other times it's like they're going to kill us all so that they can have the planet for yeah. themselves. Um, other times it's they're going to kill most of us, but they're going to keep some of us to do, like, Studies slave on. labor oh. or whatever, um, or turn into, like, weird sex... <laughs> components um oh god like so that's what i mean it's like there's a there's a healthy kind of series of gradations of this spectrum of like what's going to happen when the alien invasion happens um yeah and of course there's also then even sort of a semi-related camp that is not part of the spectrum but is kind of in this whole thing which is they're never going to invade us at all because our planet sucks and is a backwater Oh. And has no value whatsoever. Whoa, shit. I mean, that's um, dark too. And I wouldn't necessarily, I don't necessarily think that one sounds fully wrong either, to be honest. Right. I mean, for all we know, many. Based a, on the way we're going. I know. <laughs> many a spaceship could have already passed by here and been like, oh, let's take a little look-see. And then been like, fuck, no, we're not doing yes, this. Yes. Totally. Um, okay. Now I have, I have a follow-up question for you specifically. Oh, Okay. Do I know I can't I don't we I feel like we must have talked about this at some point, but maybe not. Um, do you believe in aliens and alien abductions and oh. stories of the like? Oh, interesting. Um, so more uh, yes, I believe <laughs> I believe that there's probably in the grand expanse that is the universe, um uh-huh. I think it's probably likely that there's some other form of sentient life. And I guess that's yeah. aliens. So, yeah, sure. I believe in that. Fine. Um, <laughs> Do you believe in people like, you know, documented cases of people who say they've been abducted and probed and the like and things like that? Generally, no. Uh, okay. I think generally those people are actually remembering a very traumatic experience but they're remembering it in a weird way because the experience itself was so traumatic. Oh, interesting. Um, And sometimes I think they're just liars. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, no, I don't really, I don't really believe in alien abduction. Um, Mainly because again, I'm like, what is the point of that? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like, and that, cause then, See, now here we go into tinfoil hat land. Um, Because the people who believe in alien abduction, there is always a reason for why it's happening. And the reasons are, again, going from generally kind of positive to generally quite disturbing. And the disturbing end of that spectrum is that they're doing tests on us so that then they can invade the world. Sometimes it's like they've already started the invasion. It's a quiet invasion because they've turned themselves, they've created human skin suits from all of these 
you know, experiments that we've done and they're inside there or they've created human alien hybrids and they're running the government. Um, Hmm. That sounds pretty accurate. uh, You know, like there's any number of (laughs) like theories and conspiracy theories about like how Eisenhower after the Roswell incident made a deal. Is it Eisenhower or Truman? I think it's I think it's Eisenhower. Um, well, there was that's the latest episode or latest uh, season or story on um, American Horror Story with uh, Eisenhower in it. There's okay. like an alien situation. Yeah, so it's like they, that's when an alien human hybrid program began, and then the abductions mm. are about finding humans whose bodies will, you know, like so then we can create more of these hybrids, and they're slight, they're mm. slowly like running the earth, and like you mm. know, like, and that's why I'm like. To believe that alien abductions happen, you also have to believe in the reasons why they happen, Uh, and those are nuts. Like, that's um, fair. I'm glad you said that because I'm gonna be honest. I am someone who's gullible, and (laughs) when (laughs) and when I see a person who seems like a genuine, yeah, I'm saying this is my experience. Is what happened to me. And it's unexplainable. I tend to be like, okay, you know, like, why would that, what is that person gaining from lying other than being on this TV show that I'm watching, I guess. Well, that's what they're gaining. They're on a TV (laughs) show. (laughs) I know. I guess that's what it is. But I tend, but I'm gullible. So like, I tend to not see through people's bullshit. So that I'm glad that you said some of that. (laughs) Yeah. And so like, I will also say, do I believe that people have seen a UFO? Sure. Um, yeah. because there's lots of things that are unidentified Sure, that could, that if we knew more, we could say that's what this is. Like, sure. um, interacting with aliens and particularly an alien abduction story. I'm like, that is not. So what you're life. saying is that what we watched this week isn't a documentary. It is not. Oh, weird. Um, I thought that it might be. I have so many, I have so many questions. Um, I mean, well done, Amy. You always get us back on track, which is so good of you to do. Cause that's like tough work. Cause you never know what I'm going to say. And so you never know how to get us there. Um, so welcome everyone to see you next week in space. I'm Sarah Walsh and I'm here with my co-host and sister, Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell the good people listening out in radio land, what we're talking about this week. Yeah. So we're talking about the 1957 documentary mm-hmm. called. <laughs> yep. A hundred percent facts in this one. Invasion of the Saucer Men. Yep. And like right off the bat, question number one. Okay. Is this a movie? Was it like a longish TV episode? Like it was a weird length for a movie. Yes. And I was confused by it a bit. Yes. I think the running time is like 69 minutes. Yeah. Um, and yes, I it also had the look of a Twilight Zone episode in terms of yep. its production quality. And I even wrote that down yep. at one point. So it was it was black. Like, listen, here's the deal. It was black and white. And I have no problem watching black and white movies. Some people, they're like snotty. Yeah, that can like, be a I won't stumbling block for some. Yes. I have no problem. Some of my favorite movies happen to be in black right. and white. But this one, there there were times that it was 
like black and white and it's like so grainy that right. I was like, I legit don't know what's happening. And this, the like, lighting on this, was sometimes yeah, the lighting, bad. And so you couldn't very dark. see what, like I, I regularly was like, There's, wait, I think I'm supposed to be seeing something scary, but I yes. can't see it. Because it's not yes. like the lighting. I was like, is, is that trees? It looks just like trees. I'm the only seeing <laughs> this trees. This is a lot of movie where the bushes are scary. Yes. Like, and I was confused. And there's one scene, we'll talk about it, where I legit like, <laughs> it was so crazy. It was like flashing from one thing to another, to another, to another. And I was like, what am I looking at right, right. now? Yes, that's fair. Um, so, so I think anyway. some of to explain this, is that this movie was released as a double feature with another okay. movie called I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Sounds great, too. Yeah, and that one starred Michael Landon as the titular teenage werewolf. I don't know who that person is, but... Michael that Landon sounds- from Highway to Heaven. We're saying all of these things I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just double check that it is... What yeah, I probably think it right. Is. I don't know what the... Michael, Michael Landon. Landon. If he's yeah. an actor from the Little 50s, House I don't on know the him. Prairie. He was okay. the dad in that, but I could have sworn he was also in something called Highway to Heaven. Um, oh. yes, he absolutely was. I knew it. Fucking knew it. Um, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't debating whether you were right. I just didn't know I don't know that character or I don't know that person or that yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that just shows that sometimes when you're four years older than your sibling, it really makes a big difference. Yeah. Well, life. I just I I never watched Little House on the Prairie. I didn't really watch it either, but and I never really watched Highway to Heaven either. But I just know. Yeah. This what's guy. going on? <laughs> I don't know. I just know this guy. But anyway, okay. um, so it was released as a double feature. And so I have to assume that both movies were probably of approximate length. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, like with a break in between. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it, what's interesting is I learned. It would have been a good uh, drive-in movie, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. And, and probably because like double feature just means they're shown, they're meant to be shown together. It doesn't necessarily mean that it can only be in a movie theater that's like indoor. Like it could be shown anywhere. Yeah. And it yeah, probably yeah. was. Um, especially because teens and teenagers exactly. are the main focus here. Um, yeah. and then I was also going to say just to round out that last little thought is so like, apparently what I, uh, gleaned from my research is that this movie probably unsurprisingly didn't go on to create much of a stir, but I was a teenage werewolf. It's companion piece turned mm-hmm. into like a real like touchstone where then mm. quite a lot of like there's a lot of like um pop culture references to it um mm. and also because Michael Landon went on to be like a real star even though clearly you didn't know him um, yeah that doesn't mean he's not great everybody yeah pardon me for <laughs> so I think it's funny to think of that as well that like the companion piece to this yeah. movie was like left made a real splash and this movie was like huh literally i mean like before i know we're going to talk about the cast but like none of these people are famous right like none Mm -hmm. of them went on to be like no there's one guy there's one guy who kind of mm, okay we could maybe say but like for the most part i mean i know it's not necessarily like people that i would be super familiar with but like i didn't even recognize yeah anybody yeah so there's not much to say 
in terms of research that I did for this, there's not much out there. The IMDB description of this is that aliens equipped with venomous claws invade a small town, but the town's teenage population is mobilized to fight the menace. Um, so the, the theme of this double feature was teenagers, um, yeah. which is also just a theme of 50s movies yeah. in general. Um, I will say these people, and we've said it a, b- a billion times before, did not read as teenagers to no, me. No, none of them are. <laughs> Fair Absol- enough. <laughs> absolutely none of them are teenagers. Yeah. Uh, the youngest person in this film is 24 years old. Um, yeah. So. Uh, the, I was, I definitely didn't, I know that there's like a bunch of scenes of them at like Lover's Lane and like that was, the, and like drinking and like, ooh. And I, it definitely took me a bit to be like, why are, why do we care? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in the first showing of Lover's Point, I wrote in my handwritten notes, are all these teens actually 30? And I was basically right. You were not wrong. Yeah. 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 Um, So kind of the last little bit of stuff that I think probably is of note. This is actually based on a short story called The Cosmic Frame by Paul W. Fairman. Um. And originally, I guess, uh, they thought this was going to be kind of like a serious horror movie. Um, Mm. But as production went on, they realized what they were doing was actually making a comedy. Um, And unlike unlike in other movies we've discussed, uh, (laughs) apparently they were like, okay, let's lean into the comedic aspects of this. Now, Hmm. I'm not sure that it worked. I was going to say, I, I mean, I, was, I wasn't laughing. I'm not going to lie. I, I mean, wasn't there were laughing, of, no. Not the and, way and I if, laughed at the wasp woman. Right. And even if I was laughing, it wasn't, I don't think, for the right reasons. And it was like, <laughs> I appreciate that. I, what, I, what I think is they were like, oh, shit. I realized that this the aliens that we have and like the special effects that we have don't actually look real. So we have to go, we have to go a different direction here. Right. Right. Like, I feel like maybe it was that because they weren't scary because they were so crazy looking. They did look strange. And like, this is the other thing is like, it's hard. It's always hard when you watch a movie from the past that's meant to be funny or scary because, mm-hmm. or sexy even, like, mm-hmm. because so much time has passed that, like, mm-hmm. you as an audience member have a different kind of, like, literacy for movies and storytelling than what the people yeah. at the time would have had. And that's not to say that people at the time were stupid and now we're smart. It's just, no. like, there's so much more... That's how time works. ...accumulation... Of like, this is how we tell stories. This is how we shoot these things. This is, you know, like, and so it makes it harder to put yourself in the position of like, if I were watching this in 1957 as a part of a double feature with I Was a Teenage Werewolf, would I have been scared? Would I have thought this was funny? Would I have been able to see things that I absolutely couldn't see in this? Yeah, (laughs) well, that, well, that, like, yes, 100%. Like, the in terms of, like, the perspective on it, that's something we probably will never get. 
I would be curious about the seeing aspect of it because I don't think their eyes were any different. <laughs> I don't know. I, just, I mean, I don't know if it's just like our screens were not, or they were used to that yeah, type of I do wonder if I should have like turned up the brightness. I don't know, but I was like... I don't think that would have helped. I was having some trouble. Um, there's a lot of shots of what looked like just bushes. Woods. To me. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Um, let's go to the cast. And as you said, no one here rung any bells with me which is sort of unusual even for this old of a movie i usually Mm -hmm. recognize somebody because i've watched a lot of old movies but everybody Mm -hmm. here for the most part was didn't i have no frame of reference for them Mm -hmm. um and that doesn't necessarily mean that they were not successful to an extent in their time i just you know it seemed like a lot of them had backgrounds excuse me, in um, Westerns. Oh. Which explains it, because, like, Westerns are an, a genre of old movie and TV show that just really doesn't appeal to me. So, like, if yeah, somebody... Yeah, it's a blind spot for me, too. If somebody was in a bunch of those, which a lot of these people were, I, I'm not going to recognize them. I'm just not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's kick off with one of the main um, characters in this film, Johnny Carter, is the name of the character. And that's played mm-hmm. by a guy named Stephen Terrell, who, though he is supposed to be a senior in high school, he is 28 years old. Um, or, like, well, I don't know if he's supposed to be a senior. I think he's supposed to be a teenager, though. Yeah, I mean, it's not real clear, I guess. But, like, I mean, <laughs> they just all looked so old. I know. And, you know, it's not, they looked great. Like, don't get me wrong. They looked great. But there's like the added thing of the, like the way that people dressed in yeah. the past that made yeah. them look older anyway. And then the fact that they were like all approximately also, 10 years older yes. than they were supposed to be playing. Yes. Um, so this guy, as I was just saying, was in a lot of Westerns that, and particularly mm. like TV Westerns. That seemed to be where he mainly did his thing. Um, mm. He was, and a couple of these people were also in a film called Runaway Daughters which what the hell is that i want it to be like a kind of thelma and louise style thing where it's like but it's like a pair of sisters or maybe it's like a group of friends who are of course daughters of somebody i suppose Mm. um i don't feel that's probably what it is but that's what i'm picturing it being um he actually left the movies in 1963 because he was uh, born again as an evangelical Christian. Um, Interesting. And then went on to teach theater in a variety of Christian colleges. Mm. Um, and then I want to say this was maybe in the 70s, like late, late 60s, early 70s. He creates um, an acting troupe known as the Lamb's Players, like Lamb, like Lamb of God, like the animal. Um, mm-hmm. and they would go around town doing morality plays. And what I wasn't sure about is if they like just did them on the street or if like people actually paid, paid to see them. them. Um, hmm. I personally, if it wasn't, if it, if they were just on the street, these were like the original, um, uh, <laughs> that's like, uh, that's a little creepy. If someone just like came up to you and did like 
street theater about like your morality and like I'd be like get out get out of here I don't even like that phrase you just used which is street theater I don't want it I <laughs> I don't like audience participation at sometimes all. street theater though yes I agree and street um, theater seems like too dangerous in terms of me needing to participate in something as an audience member. yeah sometimes yes sometimes no but but yes it can be a lot of that but I just I can't picture I, d- I don't like the idea of a morality play. <laughs> no, I don't like that idea either. But so that's his whole deal. Okay. Then there's his co-star, uh Joan Hayden is the character's name, and that's played by a 24-year-old Gloria Castillo, the youngest person in the cast. My God. Um, she also appeared in Runaway Daughters. Um what? the heck but what wasn't she probably had the least credits of anybody um Mm. and it looked like from her bio she went on to do like costume work more oh interesting um then we have a character called joe gruen um who's played by an he's also 24 so these two youngsters um (laughs) frank gorshin is the actor who plays joe gruen and i was surprised to discover that we've already talked about Frank Gorshin because he played the bad guy in the episode of Wonder Woman that we watched. Oh, that's so funny. Like the toy maker guy. Oh, funny. Oh, he was very old in that, right? Right, because right, that's like okay, okay. 20 years later <laughs> from oh, okay. this. Well, well, then if he's only 44, that's not very old. But I thought there was a, I'm picturing like an old guy. Maybe well, I'm they made him up guy. old. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um. So we don't need to talk about him because we already talked about him. Um, mm-hmm. Then we have a character whose name is just Farmer Larkin. Um, <laughs> and that's played by a 70-year-old Raymond Hatton. And... Um, Whoa, four, you wrote he has 424 credits. Yeah, and his first started in 1909. Um, he did Whoa. a lot, a lot of silent films. Um, but that's also wow. really common. Like for somebody of his age at that time, that would have been really common kind of because, really? well, common in the sense that like silent films were a lot shorter. Yeah. Uh, and so you could it's do sort of a like, lot of them. In it's a sort of year. like what we talked about last week with voice actors. Right. right. Mm. Um, so Except the exact opposite. <laughs> well, yes, correct. I mean, like, I guess it, what it is, is like, if you're doing both face and like if you're doing both sound and image work um mm-hmm. that seems to just be more labor intensive some way yeah. or another um mm-hmm. but if you're just like you know and i don't i'm not saying this to doing minimize one or the other. yeah no 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 um then that seems to be a lot easier to rack up credits yeah um and then as well i think especially the important thing is that silent films uh were short yeah. Uh, like we don't even see the first feature length film until the 19 teens. Um, mm. So he, he managed to build up a lot of stuff like that. Um, and boy, oh boy, is his, the stuff that he was in silent films, I kind of wish silent films, not like that films would go back to being silent, but that we'd get like similar titles. titles. Like, <laughs> like he's in a movie called A Burglar's Mistake. And he's in a movie called The Woman God Forgot, which, by the way, is like my Yikes. life story. Um, well, oh, my God. 
<laughs> oh my god, wah wah. And then um, he's in a movie called The Poor Boob, which And that one's about me. <laughs> I was actually picturing more where it's a literal single breast, like roaming, <laughs> like walking down the street asking for change. Like that's kind of what I was picturing. I want. I'll bet you a million dollars. That's not what it is because I know it, it is not that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that sounds more interesting, but um, I do feel like I know nothing about silent films. But what I've seen of them, all of those. Um, titles make sense to me because they were sort of like I feel like there's always like a sad sack in yes, a, a yes. silent movie like someone who's like like yeah. just like a walking like thundercloud because that's kind of a uh, you can make that emotion quite big without having to say words right you need stuff and, that can be physicalized in yeah. some way yeah yeah like the woman so I can picture like the woman god forgot perhaps that's a woman like wandering through a forest like and then getting tired she a bunch. yeah and like yeah then she's you look like at cries. tears yeah running down her yeah. face or you know something like that yeah and like the burglar's mistake he probably like falls through oh, yeah. something that's like a buster and, keaton like yeah. i'm rock i'm walking up a ladder the ladder falls into a window yeah. like yeah you know all that kind of thing um, yeah. So he's in a bunch of those movies. Um, <laughs> I watched some of those. Those sound interesting. And well, yeah. And plus, you would love them because I think they're only like 12 minutes long. So I do love that. It's like a quibby, but in the past. <laughs> um, I do love that. And then he's also in a lot of Westerns, like mm. lots and lots of both TV and movie Westerns, um, mm. so, which makes sense because he also legitimately says at one point in this movie, concern it. And I was like, oh, man, <laughs> this guy. He's the guy who first comes. I, I don't know any of their dumb names, but he's the guy who first comes out. He's got like, a, I mean, he's the only one who looks like he's 70. So I guess right. I don't need to ask yeah, this yeah, question. Yeah. yeah, he's the yeah. angry farmer, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Then we have the, I don't know how I would describe this guy. The name of the character is Artie Burns. We See, he's not really on screen very much, but he does the voiceover and is the narrator oh. of the story. Oh. And that's played by an actor named Lynn Osborne, who was 31. Um, he only had 19 credits, and I didn't recognize a single thing that he was in, <laughs> so I can't really speak to that. Um, okay. Then we have Lieutenant Wilkins of the U.S. Air Force, and that's how his character is described in the, on the IMDb page. Um and that's played by a 38-year-old Douglas Henderson um, who was a, sort of like, I don't know how big of his role, how big of a role he had, but he was in The Manchuri Manchurian Candidate uh, hmm. in 1962, which looks to be like kind of one of his biggest movie roles. Um, and then he did quite a bit of TV stuff. Okay. Um, and then we also have his boss in the movie, Colonel Ambrose, also of the U.S. Air Force, played by a 26-year-old Sam Buffington, which I thought was weird because so Sam Buffington is 12 years younger than Douglas Henderson, but he mm -hmm. looks older and he's clearly meant to be older because he's the boss of the oh, two of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Because he's like heavy set and balding and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. He was the one who was 26? Yes. 
I'd have to look at him again, but yeah, wow, weird. Well, 26. and this is the whole thing. So this was one of his earliest roles, and he did fa- a fair amount of TV, but in 1960, he committed suicide by gas inhalation. So uh, clearly maybe not a very happy man. Whoa. Um, okay, we don't need to get into that because then we have to like put on all types of trigger warnings, but like, what, does that mean... Like, that's not the same as, like, carbon monoxide poisoning. That means, like, oven situation? Uh, or maybe, yeah, maybe head in oven. I also wondered if it was maybe sit in closed garage with car going, but I guess that isn't quite the same thing. Because I I think of that as, like, carbon monoxide, but, um, anyway, we can move on from that, but... That's rough. Yeah. And now is now was he like that because he looked forty seven when he was twenty six? <laughs> I don't know. Or was but he? It can't, or was it, he someone who was super depressed and that ages you? I mean, it can't have helped either way. Yeah. Like, um, or maybe it's like, did he look that old when he was actually young because he had already been depressed or traumatized? Yeah. So he was like drinking a lot or like doing whatever. Yeah. There could be any number of things, um, but... Sure, it's like a lot of the dudes who, like, or the people who, like, died in the 27 Club, you know right. what I mean? They all lived pretty hard lives. Yeah, but they didn't look quite as aged as no, this I, Yes, true. <laughs> um, true. But anyway, uh, that is pretty much the only people we need to know. Um, and I barely know any of them. So. No, I I only was able to figure out Johnny and Joan's names like midway through because they just the, said And they're them the enough. main ones who were yeah. yeah, they were the main ones who were in the car. Right. Okay. Yes. Maybe. I didn't know anybody's stupid name. Car couple, sure. Car couple, yeah. <laughs> um okay, so let's just dive into this film um which starts off with a title card that says A True Story of a Flying Saucer. Which it's a documentary, I told you. I, you were right. You're a hundred percent right. And I and I did feel like the cinema verite of this, like I really felt like it felt like I was there, like every yes. second for sure. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. then I'm just gonna do my obligatory credits mention because mm-hmm. it's a very 50s like turning a page with a hand and everybody's yes. name is there. And I do like that. I I mean I feel silly. There's something about old movies. There's something about old movies, and maybe it's fifties specifically that they loved the credits to be a book. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, or it was either the credits were going to be a book, or like the opening couple minutes with voiceover was going to be someone turning the pages of a story, like yeah, to tell you like this is a story. This is. I'm about to sit right down. I'm about to tell you a story. Yeah, it's very strange, but I mean, I don't dislike it. It's just I have noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, You. it was an old device that I kind of, I would love it if they brought that back a bit more often because <laughs> I, there's something about it that I find kind of quaint and delightful. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But so as you say, um, we begin on Farmer Larkin's farm. But it's not Farmer Larkin who's doing the voiceover. It's actually Artie doing the voiceover. And he's kind of like setting the scene, I guess you could say. Um, Mm -hmm. Where he's like, oh, that's Farmer Larkin. 
um, this is this town we're in. And he's like, and if you can believe it, it's actually called Hicksburg. (laughs) (laughs) And Uh, I was like, I believe it. Which is great. Um, And I was like kind of enjoying, I was like, oh, voiceover as a start. That's something we haven't gotten a lot of in our sci-fi film life. It's a lot more title card reliant than voiceover reliant. Um, You know, I feel like, again, it's like 50, I don't know if it's 50s or just like olden, (laughs) olden times movies where I feel like they like a voiceover at the beginning. Yeah. Or like a little bit of someone who's like the narrator. Yeah. And they all sound the same. They all sound like a man who has been smoking for about 15 years, but has like. They probably, it probably is the same person all the time. Oh no, you said it's this Artie Burns guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a character from the movie. He only has 19 credits. Doing it. (laughs) Um, oh, okay. But they all have that same sort of voice somehow. Yeah. And um, he explains, like, kind of, he's like, here's this town. There's not much for kids to do. We see a, a quick shot of Lover's Point and kids there making out, and we'll return to the Lover's Point many times throughout this film. He also explains that he and his partner, Joe, are, quote, investment specialists. And he says it in this way, and I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I think... Are they supposed to be gay? I think they're supposed to just be, like, crimey somehow. Like, because... Oh, crimey. (laughs) Yeah. Like, because they wear suits in the movie, and Mm. they're meant to look kind of Oh, they're just like a... They're just... Like, and they... They're they're crime guys. Yes, they're crime guys. Good work, because that's how I described (laughs) them in my handwritten notes. Um, but yeah, that's the implication is that they've blown into town to try Mm. and like drum up some kind of business, but it's not been working. Mm. Um, and also there's like some sort of big storm over town as we come in. Um, so then we kind of arrive in the town diner to be officially introduced to Artie. Because he says, like, that's me, um, the good-looking one uh, <laughs> on the left or something. Um, which I, I did like that joke. I was like, good work. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and Artie and Joe are these friends. And Joe is hitting on the waitress at the diner. Um, and she is not interested. And so then... Already is like, listen, man, we've like, I don't remember exactly how long he says that they've been there, but I think, let's say they've been there about a month. And he's like, there's just no, like, we've tried to do whatever weird shit they do in this town and had no success. So we need to move on to something else. And a primary driving force of what Artie seems to be saying is not only is their business venture, whatever it might be, not working, they also can't get dates. Hmm. So there's no reason to stay around this Yeah, town. get the fuck out of here. I mean, I guess I agree with him. Like, you're I mean, getting nothing from this place. So uh, maybe, yes, if you're like... I mean, tumble- I guess that's fair. If you're tumbling tumbleweeds, it maybe is time <laughs> to tumble to the next locale. Um, yeah, fair. So, but Joe is still kind of convinced that they can make a go of it here. So he's like, I'm going to take a drive. They, they share a car, so then Artie's like, well, I'm going to walk uh, back to the boarding house, and I'll see you when you get back. 
Oh, they're at a boarding house. I maybe didn't get that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they're sharing a room together that... Wait a second. Now I'm remembering. I think that... I think there's only one bed in the room that they share. Oh, they don't ever show. See, it's confusing to me also. It's like this movie also happens like the trajectory from start to finish is like one night. Yes. Question mark. Yes. Yeah. And so a lot ever, happens. Like, a lot night. happens. And so we don't ever see both of them in bed. So no, it's like it's kind of okay that there's one bed, but if you think about it in the long term, I think you might be right. I don't see another bed in there. I'm almost positive I, that there's but no maybe other they, bed. Are they staying in the same room? I don't really know how a boarding house works. I thought that's what was happening. But whatever. I don't know. He's just there's always um, just one of them waking up the other guy. Right. That's all I know. Right. So then Joe gets into the car. He's driving out on some country road. He sees a flying saucer come out of the sky with all of its lights going. And he Mm -hmm. sees, like, where he thinks it's going to land. Mm -hmm. So he wants to go and investigate. And yet again, can we say, never investigate anything? Stop, people. Guys, like... uh... I guess I I guess I'm just not a curious person. Like if I saw something creepy or like lights in the sky that seemed amiss, I really don't think I would check it out. No, and there's and this is this will be yet another proof of why you shouldn't do that. So we're not quite yes. there yet. So like Joe yeah. does go to investigate and then I will say like this too, we as the viewer know something bad has happened because then we get a close-up on Joe's face looking scared when he goes to investigate. Um, But we don't entirely know yet what it is that he saw when he goes to see there. Yep. Meanwhile, back at the diner, um, we're like kind of outside the diner. Some teenagers are standing around um, and they all see the flying saucer as well. Meanwhile, Lieutenant Wilkins is at the diner and he like kind of walks up behind the kids and he's like, what are you guys saying? And they're like, we just saw a flying saucer. And like, I'm like, that seems like a very casual way of saying what you just saw. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Like they're not super, they're not like, we just saw a fucking flying saucer. They're like, yeah, yeah, we just saw over there. Like, very matter-of-factly. Like, Well, I feel like everybody, when they, like, try to... Uh, hmm, I don't know. Because we, we talked about people who report <laughs> um, alien stuff in real life and what, you know, generally the consensus is that they're crazy or attention-seeking, right. whatever. But I think what would help someone's case, if it ever happens... <laughs> is to be like, listen, I know that this sounds crazy. I am of sound mind (laughs) and sound body. And what I believe I just saw was XYZ. (laughs) Instead of just being like, yep, there it was. Or even like so hysterical that it's like, okay, you're just like, you're having a mental breakdown. Right. I mean, the kids are standing around in a very casual manner being like, that's what we saw. (laughs) It's a flying saucer. And, no question. Um, and there was also kind of a weird running thread that whenever anybody talked about seeing the flying saucer, they were like, you know, like everyone's been seeing lately. And I'm like, 
oh. like everyone's seeing lately. What yeah, but then why mean? is anyone surprised like, then if everyone's been seeing it lately? And I, I wanted to, but I didn't, but I was curious. I was like, 1957, were there like a spate of like UFO <laughs> sightings in that, that like in real Maybe. life? And so that's be- become this huh. thing that's almost a joke to people. Like, I don't really well, when, know. When was, this is going to, when, when was like the first big when was Roswell, like that whole Roswell, thing? I'm pretty sure, is in the 40s, like late okay. 40s or maybe okay. early 50s. But like, okay. so, so yes, UFO sightings in the 50s were still pretty novel as a thing. Yeah. Um, people didn't really start, people didn't usually say this until after World War II. Um, okay. It wasn't that people didn't see lights in the sky or unexplained things. They just didn't talk about them shit about it (laughs) no they didn't talk about them as like this is a flying saucer this is a spaceman from like they'd be like i don't know maybe it's a comet i don't know maybe it's god i don't know who's to say like but it's after well no it kind of starts maybe but especially after world war ii is when people start talking about it specifically as like this is a spaceship that i saw that's what it was not some other thing um Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I was like, is this meant to be some sort of, like, in the 50s, everyone was like, saw one, no big deal, see them all the time. Um, but that's how people are acting. So, but meanwhile, Lieutenant Wilkins is acting really fucking cagey. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, doing a lot of, like, moving his eyes back and forth and, like, <laughs> to one side and another, like, you saw a spaceship, did you? Like, and I'm like is happening with this guy is he having an actual stroke like um <laughs> but we will learn soon why lieutenant wilkins found this so intriguing he goes away meanwhile jo- so johnny is one of the teenagers outside who sees this flying saucer land and he's outside because his he's waiting for his girlfriend joan to show mm-hmm. up she drives up they leave her car at the diner and they take his car to Lover's Point. Yeah. Um, Lover's Point, for some reason, is located on the property of Farmer Larkin. Yeah. Okay. Here's the deal. <laughs> I don't understand Lover's Point, like, just baseline anyway. Like, the idea of one, like... I. It, in general, but Wait, I Amy, really, Amy, you don't want to go to a deserted area that is full of a bunch of other teenagers and make out in front of them in your own separate car. Like hell to the no. Is no, that just I don't. Be, but wait, is that just because now it would be inappropriate because you're not a teenager yourself? Oh, well, it would be super inappropriate. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and like, okay. And it would also just be like silly because it's like, you go to your house, get out of here. But like, so I, I appreciate the fact that when you're a teenager, you don't have your own, like, like the place, place. That, yes, the place like, that you I get that. have is your car. Like, that's the I thing get, that's And that's fine. Yours. It's not the car aspect of it. But it's, like, the idea that, like, this is this where we all go and do this. And, like, there literally are multiple cars parked at the same time. Like, I don't know. I just... I mean, it wasn't my experience, so I'm not knocking it, but I'm just, like, I feel like there's a better way. Like, just go to a 
regular ass parking lot. I don't know. <laughs> just, I don't know. I guess just it's not very fucking like park in the Walmart parking lot and call it a night. I, mean, I, I guess I was just trying to like picture even in like our hometown, like what would be considered like we had things that might have been considered something similar, but not really. Not really. No. And I, when I picture a lover's land, I also because I so for specifically for this movie, I also picture like a vista or something, yeah, not yeah. just like in somebody's yard. Well, I think what we were meant to understand is that Farmer Larkin has rather extensive property because he's got quite a lot of animals, which we see at one point. Yeah. And so I guess what we're meant to believe is that this is some sort of clearing or whatever in a stand of trees on his property Mm -hmm. that is like kind of hidden away enough that it gives you privacy from the world, but not privacy from the friends whom you're going to be making out in front of later. And they're also like drinking and throwing beers out the thing. They're also like, be careful about that. I mean, there's just lots of things that like, um, interestingly enough that the one guy who's the lead ends up doing morality plays because this there's a lot of immoral things happening here. Right. So so they drive up to Lover's Point. They pass Farmer Larkin's home. He's angry about how the kids are using his property to make out. Um, Fair. And he's like shooting guns into the air and saying, concern it. <laughs> he's like a real Yosemite <laughs> Sam energy happening this whole movie. Um, but so then... then when they're at Lover's Point, um, we I think the point of this scene is to let us know, and this is important for way later, that Joan and Johnny are really, like, this is a big friend group. They get along with each other. They do this quite often, clearly. Um, and so there's a closeness that's developed between them. As yeah. you say, they come here to make out and drink. The one of Farmer Larkin's cows regularly escapes its enclosure. Oh yeah. And um the cow in this scene starts getting drunk because it's drinking beer that's fallen on the ground. Because now this is the thing that to me really didn't ring true. Yeah. The teens are drinking beers and making out, and seemingly in this time and place, teens drink one third of a beer and then throw it away as though it's trash. <laughs> and well, they so, are driving. So like, I don't know how drunk they're like supposed to be getting. But the point, like, no, like it's the fifties. No one gives a shit about drunk driving. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, but I also have questions about that cow. Like that's not how cows behave really. I don't know, man. But like, to me, I was like, what? I don't, well, because let's see, I, I think the drinking age would have been 21 in 1957. So I'm like, so to get that beer was hard. And well, they they were 30. So well, they get true, it really true. I mean, it's also Hicksburg. So maybe in Hicksburg, they're like, yes, technically you need to be 21. But really, you, you can be 12. Like, yeah. Um, But the whole thing seemed weird. It was also like a yeah, very litter thing. I was like, yeah. It's like, okay, I'm done with this beer. First of all, I'm confused about why you're done with it after two sips. But aside from that, you're just going to literally well, throw it out the window and be like, and also now if you're trying to be problem. Like, right. And if you're like, your lover's point is on, again, somebody's property and he's like shooting guns in the air because of it. Like, you want to be like a little bit more um, inconspicuous. You know what I mean? Right. Like, or even more, 
if it's your lover's point to which you go to every night, do you want it to be like a big fucking trash pile of beer cans and like empty bottles? Well, I don't bottles? know if people like. I'm not sure the kids would care about that, but like, still, it's. I don't know. I I I I just I all of it. I yeah. I don't really I mean, buy any of it. I think this is a situation where, and we see this in many a movie and film and TV show, where it's like we're trying to do what kids do. We're trying yeah, to capture yes. that. And totally. So we're pretty sure this is what kids do. And it's like, yes, it's like written by old people who are like, those darn kids be going to the, yeah, you're right. And you're like, well, yeah, probably kids do do these things, but I don't think they do them entirely this way, the way you portrayed it. And so that's what, I think that's what we're looking at here. Yeah. So meanwhile, we get back to the boarding house. Joe has like collected himself and he wakes up already in this one bed and he's like dude 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 you gotta wake up you won't believe what i just saw and Artie's like what are you talking about and he's like yeah um oh yeah this was one of the parts that i was just talking about so he says i saw a ufo like all these people have been saying i'm like <laughs> all these people who um yeah but so he's like super whipped up and he's like, Artie, Artie, this is, this is the money maker. This is what we've been looking for. Cause if we can get evidence, like a picture or some kind of physical evidence of a spaceman or a spaceship, then that, then we're millionaires basically. Mm-hmm. And Artie's basically like, you're right. I don't believe you. Um, <laughs> and he's like, I'm going back to bed. And Joe's like, well, fine, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get proof and I'm going to bring it back here and then you'll see, you know. Um, Everybody loves a person who says, and then you'll see. That's always how you convince somebody of something. Uh Uh-huh. Meanwhile, we we find ourselves in um, Colonel Ambrose's home. Lieutenant Wilkins has gone there to report the saucer landing and it turns mm-hmm. out that these guys have been hanging around Hicksburg they're part of a special unit of the US Air Force that is dedicated to rooting out these kinds of stories and following up on them and keeping them out of the news and hiding if there is any physical evidence it's their job to hide it from the town and kind of like, I guess, keep it under wraps for the government. Okay. I have I have sort of another, like, maybe uh, tinfoily hat question. Perfect. This is the episode for him. If, okay. We're to, if, we're, if we're to believe we're going with that, like, there are aliens and they've been here, they are going to come, blah, blah, blah. But the I feel like so many sci-fi things with aliens always run on the um, idea that the government is hiding it from us because we as a human race couldn't handle that information. Correct. (sighs) Why? (laughs) Why couldn't we handle it? Yeah, sort of. Why couldn't they just tell us? Like, why, why does it have to be a secret? Um... Well, I, th- I mean, I know that the human race is stupid, Correct. but like, <laughs> but I feel like 
you know, like anything else, like at first we'd be like, oh shit. And then you get used to it. Um, like, I think that the feeling <laughs> in the room in the <laughs> 1940s and 50s, if there was any kind of evidence of other life on earth or just, mm-hmm. or just anomalous material that the government itself couldn't explain. Yeah. Um, I don't think people would have rolled with that punch very well. Um, because I guess you're right. Because if it isn't aliens, then it's Russians. Um, you know, that's the other yeah. backstory here is like, yeah, if we need to figure out, we need to do these investigations because we need to figure out, is it the Soviets coming with some kind of super high tech, something, something, mm. or is it aliens Either way, the average American citizen is going to freak the fuck out. I guess um, you're right. And so our job is to determine what it is and then come up with some sort of way of dealing with it. Um, and then perhaps at some juncture, we will let the American public know some portion of this. Um, yeah. But we don't expect that people are going to react well to it. People of the 1950s were not attuned that's goes back to what i was saying before even just broadly speaking about like uh movie literacy or like like people back then this was like new and it made people scared yeah. and it you know yeah like, yeah it wasn't the same thing whereas now people yeah we just like, we have more information aliens yeah. are here woohoo like um <laughs> yeah well, no and then especially when it's like ooh, aliens are here get me out of this place like that is where probably some people are at you right know? right so I, it makes sense to me that there would be, like, it doesn't seem unusual that there would be some sort of group dedicated to being like, we are con- we are trying to control information as best we can. Um, yeah. Because if this gets out, it's going to be nuts and people are going to freak out and it's not going to be helpful to anything or anyone. Um, yeah, that's fair. Now, what I, but I also take your point that like, these kinds of storylines have also contributed to their quite a lot, in fact, to the ability for many people now to believe that governments can do all kinds of crazy shit un- right. unbeknownst to everyone. And right. that, in fact, they must be doing it all the time. And they're and just all, it, well, I just, it, it, see, it sows to me that distrust that people have right. like, and I feel like it did start probably, I don't know when, to be honest, but. It's just only grown and grown. Uh, so the so the USAF guys they're going out into the woods to find the crash site. Meanwhile, Johnny and Joan decide that they're going to leave Lovers Lane because, and this I didn't fully realize until quite a bit later in the movie, but um, I'm going to say it here because otherwise it makes no sense what they're doing. They're like planning to elope with each other this evening. And so that's why they don't have their headlights on when they're driving because they're trying to be like hidden somehow. That was so weird. Oh, I see. I thought it was because they were drunk and didn't want to get caught for drunk driving. No, they weren't drunk. And and that's also important for later as well. They are not drunk, unlike their friends. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, Um, okay. And so as they're driving on this country road, Johnny hits something. And at first, uh, Joan is like, it's a little boy. You've hit a little boy. And while they seem concerned about that, 
they don't seem that concerned. Not um, enough concern. <laughs> yeah, they're like, she's like, I think you've hit a little boy. Like, she says it like that. And I'm like, uh, I, that, that's like the same tone as like, ooh, I think you just like popped a tire. Or right. like, ooh, I think like I maybe think you, that was a branch. I think you hit a raccoon. Like, right. you know, like, it's very weird because she soon, <laughs> soon she starts screaming her bloody head off and it's like, yes. okay, what the fuck, dude? Because then they walk around to the front of the car and they see that it's, at, at first they're calling it a monster, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then she really belts out a scream, <laughs> um, which I think you should have done earlier. Um, Seriously. And... And I, this actually was a fave of mine. Um, so in this crash, um, the alien that they've hit, it seems like is dead, but its disembodied hand isn't dead. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I have so many questions about this hand. Because, like, there was, again, the issue of, like, lighting where I couldn't quite see everything that was happening. Right. But, like... Every once in a while, there would just be, like, a creepy crawly hand. And I'm like, is that the whole of the body? And no. we're just seeing... Like, I was very confused. It and I was, was like, is just this a hand? hand. And I kept waiting it for like the thing, hand. But it, it does look like thing. I was waiting for the hand to, like, reattach to the body yeah. somehow. But that, I don't think, actually happens. It's just the the alien is dead, I'm pretty sure. But somehow yeah. the hand continues. Hand is still alive. And in this case, it inches its way to Johnny's wheel well. And so these aliens, at this point, we still haven't seen a face of one. Yeah. But their hands have like these needles, I guess, is the best yeah. way to describe them. Because they poke out from the tips of the fingers. Like these metal. And they're wet needles. They're wet needles. They're like dripping. Yes, they also drip. And there's a reason why they drip, which we will get to. Yeah. Um. So this hand punctures the tire of Johnny's car. And they realize that they've popped a tire. And they don't know that it's the hand that's done it. They think it's, you know, something that's happened in the context of the crash. So they're like, right. well, let's walk to Farmer Larkin's house to call the police to say that we've hit this monster. God. Uh, meanwhile, it, back in the woods, the Air Force has found the saucer, and then they go through a series of different efforts to try and interact with the potential occupants of the saucer. And we'll be mm -hmm. returning to this storyline a bit, but really it doesn't super matter. <laughs> um meanwhile we go back to the farmhouse and Joan and Johnny uh just walk right into this guy's house. Um Yeah, what the heck? I think they knock like a couple times, don't get an answer, and then literally like, just walk it, into the come. house. <laughs> um and I wait. Um Yeah, I don't know if they if it the door is open, but not like open like a jar. It's like open yeah. like it's unlocked. And so they yeah. go in. Um, they call the police to report that they've hit an alien <laughs> with their car. Uh, yep. Unsurprisingly, the police say, no, you didn't. 
Um, <laughs> and they will not be coming out to investigate anything. And as they're trying to convince them to do that, this big storm that's been blowing through town knocks out the phone line, so the phone goes dead. Yeah, yeah. Farmer Larkin returns home to discover two children have broken into his home. Um, he's very angry. Uh, and he also, so not only does he believe that they've broken into the, his home, which they have, um, he also <laughs> believes that they've killed his cow, which they haven't. Um, the cow, as far as I can tell, isn't dead, but he thinks it's dead. And again, there's a secret reason why he thinks this that we'll get to shortly. Mm -hmm. Um, so... Larkin says, I'm going to call the police and tell you that you you broke in and you killed my cow. And they're <laughs> like, but the phone doesn't work, sir. And he's like, we'll just see about that. And then he tries to use the phone. Of course, it doesn't work. Um, then they try and tell him about this alien interchange that they've just had. And he's like, you guys are nuts. Um, there's no way that happened. And I don't believe you because you smell like boots. Mm. This is a clue for later, so remember that they smell like booze, even though they haven't been drinking. Hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. I didn't catch that clue, I'll be yeah. honest. But well, yeah, I was like waiting. I was like, what is this? Um, but this is this is an important thing. They are not drunk, and yet they smell like booze. And so something will happen later about that. Um Okay. So they leave. Um, after they leave, the phone starts working again and Farmer Larkin tell, calls the police and says, there's like all these youths on my property <laughs> and I need you to get them off of here. Um, oh my God, I love that. And so they're like, okay, we'll come. Um, meanwhile, Joe and Joan walk back to the car, um, where they find the alien body that they've hit. Um, and they want to take it with them as proof. Um, but there's some reason, something about it, I guess, is hard for them to do. I don't totally know why it's hard to, I think even the other guy, Joe, has the same trouble where, like, they can't seem to dislodge the alien body from, like, the front bumper somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, yeah. That was actually kind of gross a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because then, um, so they, like, oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. I got confused. This scene, af so after Joan and Johnny leave Farmer Larkin's property, we catch back up with Joe. And Joe, ha who has seen the flying saucer, has come back to this country road to do some investigating mm -hmm. where he finds the alien body connected to Joan and Johnny's car. And he's trying to like dislodge it from the bumper. I guess maybe what we're meant to think is like the body has kind of gotten pinioned beneath like the car, but like between the ground and the bottom of the car. And so it, it's like stuck there, like between mm -hmm. I think is what, we are meant to understand here mm -hmm. um but yes this is like where we get only a mild amount of alien goo um but doesn't he like touch it with his hand and then his hand gets like weirdly like 
bubbly or something. Ooh, like, gross. I don't remember that. It but looked, maybe. It looks like his hand was like the picture of Dorian Gray's face in the movie, the picture oh. of Dorian Gray. Like, it looked like it was like pustules or something. Ooh, like, yuck. I don't remember that. Uh, I can't be sure of this because the lighting and general quality of this <laughs> film was not good, but that's what I thought it looked like. Um, yeah, you're probably right. But for whatever reason, he's not able to dislodge the body, so he he kind of is stuck and drives away. Mm-hmm. Uh, back at the farm, now Joe Joe walks into Farmer Larkin's home. Good God. Because uh, Farmer Larkin is still not there. Uh, and he calls up Artie at the boarding house, and he's like, now I've got the proof that you didn't believe me. I This is going to make us so much money. Um, I'm going to need you to start clearing out our refrigerator. Oh, yeah, this was funny. <laughs> he just kept saying that over and over. Yeah, he's like, I've got the proof. You're going to need to, like, make sure that the fridge has nothing in it. And Artie's like... But this guy is still asleep. Like, yeah. he's still motherfucking asleep. And you know that bitch isn't going to clean out the fridge. Well, and can you imagine getting a phone call when you're deep asleep and you wake up to receive a phone call from your dear friend, maybe lover, we don't know, <laughs> saying... I've found proof of aliens. We're going to be millionaires. Clean out the refrigerator right now. Like. Yeah, no, I'd be scared. I'd be very scared. And my real answer to that would be, sweetie. No. Are you okay? Like. No, my real answer would be, I'm fucking sleeping. Have you. You can figure out whatever you need to figure out on your own. Have you had a psychotic break? Like. um, Yeah. But. Yes, that that is basically what happens is like Artie's like, okay, fine, click. Um, and then we go, we follow this to the boarding house itself where Artie does kind of like groggily get out of bed and start cleaning out the refrigerator. And then he's like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> so then he uh, puts in earplugs in his ears and goes back to bed. And this is also important for what will transpire later. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, back at this road spot, Joan and Johnny have walked back from Farmer Larkin's house to Johnny's car. And now they see that there's actually a bunch of aliens huddled around the car. And one of them seems to be doing something to Johnny's bumper, though they can't totally tell what it is they what they think is happening is they think that because the thing that the alien has looks sort of like a gun oh yeah wait the alien does yes the alien so there's like this weird group of little aliens again we hardly see them um a lot of this is like us watching actors react to aliens like the shots are of yeah. us looking at people's faces as they describe what they're seeing yeah and so that was what was happening here so what all we see is kind of a weird close-up on like alien arm with weird what i would say looks like a ray gun or whatever mm-hmm. but the ray gun is like hitting johnny's bumper like and banging it up And Johnny is like, oh, I think that they think the car is what killed their friend. So they're attacking the car. Oh, okay. So 
again, the presumption here is that the aliens are not smart enough to tell the difference between the inanimate object of the car and the operator mm-hmm. of the car. Yeah. Um, but again, turns out aliens are way fucking smarter than that. Uh, <laughs> because then they, so then Joan and Johnny leave to walk to the police station to tell, to tell someone what's happened. In the meantime, yeah. the police arrive at Lover's Point to clear everybody out, just as Farmer Larkin mm. required of them. As So then, in the context of that, what do the police find but a car with a dented bumper and a dead guy on the road? <laughs> the mm-hmm. dead guy, unfortunately, is Artie's friend, Joe, who we know, as the audience, has been attacked by these aliens but right. the cops don't know it. Joan and right. Johnny somehow like find their way back to the car and they tell they have this interchange, which is a real who's on first interchange, um, <laughs> where Joan and Johnny are like talking about, yes, well, we hit him, but like who cares? And the cop is like, <laughs> What are you talking about? You hit him. And they're like, Yeah, we did, but like surely you can't be worried about that. Like <laughs> like what truly we don't give a fuck about this guy (laughs) what are you fucking talking about um then the detective asks johnny to take a balloon test um which what is that i think it's an old-timey breathalyzer oh okay because again they smell like booze still right so the police believe that what happened was that Johnny was driving. He was driving drunk. He hit yep. Joe and then absconded. They made up this, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, and they or made, made up, up this, this story. Alien story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so both Joan and Johnny get arrested. Um, Boom. Yeah. And then when we get to the police station, uh, the detective tells Johnny, because uh, Johnny and Joan at this point, are like, we hit an alien. There is no punishment for this. Uh, why are we in trouble? Right. Um, and they keep saying, like, we agree that we killed some... <coughs> we agree that we killed someone with our car, but we're not upset because it was a monster. Right. And this is when we learn that Joan's dad is, like, the town prosecutor like the DA mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And she's like, don't worry, Johnny. He'll straighten everything <laughs> out. But it unfortunately, we got to remember that they were going to elope tonight. And the reason uh, they were going to elope is because her... the dad doesn't approve. Yeah, her dad hates this guy. That's a problem. Yes. Um, so dad hates Johnny a lot. Um, it's mm-hmm. unclear why... Uh, They don't give us any information as to why this dad doesn't like Johnny at all, but he does say things like... I don't think dads need a reason. Do you think? Maybe they don't, but usually there's... (laughs) Usually there's something where it's like, you don't have a job, or you're from the wrong side of the tracks, or you're something. But they're in fucking high school, aren't they? (laughs) Yes, so... I mean, there's so many reasons why it's inappropriate, but uh, I guess it was different. I mean, I think he just says something like, you're a bad influence, or like, you're a layabout, Mm. or something. I'm like, I need something slightly more concrete than this to explain your blind hatred of your daughter's boyfriend. Um, So then the dad is like, 
this is the perfect thing. Johnny <laughs> will go to jail because he killed a guy. Yeah. Joan will be separated from him. Problem solved. Um, All good. We're good to go. <laughs> and still Joan and Johnny are deeply puzzled about what's happening. And they're like, okay, well then follow us down to the morgue, please. Um, <laughs> where then we see, and this again, we learn this with Joan and Johnny. So I think there are some yeah. good storytelling elements here. Like that they don't know yet either. Right. So it's yeah. revealed. That's when we really learn as the audience that Joe has died. Yeah. But at the hands of these aliens. Because this is a surprise to everybody. Um, and so then, it, so then Joan and Johnny understand the severity of their situation. And... Yeah, they're in deep shit. Yeah. And um, so this is also where... So where's, like, the comedy in this? Like you know, we said, We said at the beginning this was, like, they leaned into the comedy. It's not very comical. It isn't, except when you think about the fact that in I mean, this scene, Johnny has a realization when he thinks back to having watched that alien do something to his bumper. He's uh-huh. like... The aliens framed me. They knew this would, ha- would happen. <laughs> yeah. And that's why it's called the cosmic frame. They mean a frame up. Oh, like, my God. That's so funny. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That's really funny. Um, also funny in a disturbing way, Joan's dad says that since nobody knows Joe because he blew into town a month ago and nobody knows him and isn't friends with him, they can probably cover up his death, and so probably Joan won't need to be in trouble. Oh, Jesus. But, unfortunately, to really make that work out, they have to track down this friend of Joe's, because he mm-hmm. might actually demand some sort of investigation. Hmm. So that was sobering, to hear this guy just outright say, uh, because I'm, like, the kind of the representative of law in this town, I decide what's a crime and what isn't. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, there's quite a lot here of like white kids doing crime all over the fucking place and being like, who cares? Um, Like when they steal the cop car in a couple minutes. Um, (laughs) So uh, now is, okay. So now I need to make sure. Yes. Okay. Um, so then uh, the police get drawn away. Everyone in the police station gets distracted because there's a big explosion out in the woods near where the saucer mm-hmm. landed. So all the cops mm-hmm. go out to investigate. And while they're gone, Johnny's like, this is our opportunity to go and to, to clear my name, basically. And to do that, we need to get evidence of aliens. We have to find this alien body of this alien that I hit. Oh, my God. And I think they also, um, yes, okay, so now, okay, so then to get out back to the road to find the alien body, they don't have a car anymore, so they they steal a cop car, naturally. I mean, um, it's just your tip, it's like, it's, um, 
It's the typical, like, I got in trouble. Let me try to make it better. But in the process of making it better, I make it so much worse. Well, I mean, this again, this is a big but trope in a lot of movies, which is like, to clear my name, I have to do like 89 actual crimes. Right. Um, <laughs> at, but, but once right. I clear my name, those other crimes will be wiped will away, away. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. as a result of this. Yeah. Uh, See, I, I do think this is where... <laughs> Uh, I'm about to say something stupid, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, people get worried about like content in movies and TV shows, like messing people up and like, oh, it's going to make you go out and be a murderer. Oh, it's going to make you go out and blah, blah, blah. But I actually think the more damaging thing is it makes you believe that you're like invincible and can do crazy shit and get away with it. (laughs) Yes. Certainly for white people, that seems to be the case. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um. So they steal a cop car, go back to where they crashed into the alien. Um, the alien's body seems to be gone, but the disembodied hand is still there. And <laughs> that hand, they kept showing creepy I re- ass. I really oh liked it, mainly in part because it was like the effect that I could see the most clearly. Because of it was so bright. Yeah. Because it was white, so it was easy to see in contrast to like there was so much black happening. Yeah, like, and even sometimes when they would mean to show like the alien eyes peeking out from a bush, that was really hard to see. So like the yes. hand was the main thing you could see. And so this alien hand like slinkily, creepily... Um, finds its way into the cop car that they have stolen. Um, you know. Meanwhile. I mean, I guess this part is kind of funny, but I don't know if it didn't really feel like it was meaning to be funny to me. Well, I think it kind of was because so then they're, so they don't have any success finding any evidence. And so they're driving back in the cop car and Joan is like, I wonder if any of our friends at Lover's Point saw anything. Maybe we should ask them for help. Mm-hmm. And as she's having this idea, the hand is like climbing up the back of the passenger seat. <laughs> <laughs> and like mm-hmm. at one point is about to reach out and grab her. But then uh, Johnny takes like a sharp turn and the hand falls down. To the ground again. I mean, that's kind mm-hmm. of humorous. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess it is. Um, but then finally, um, right as it seems like things are settling down, the hand does reach out from behind and attack Joan, to which she screams bloody murder. Mm-hmm. They jump out of the car, they shut the doors, and now the disembodied alien hand is stuck, in trapped in the cop car. Yeah, but my favorite was she was like, she was like he's got my dress. Oh yeah, I was like I was like bitch he doesn't have your dress. Your dress is caught in the door. Yes. Like, <laughs> uh, so she rips her dress to get away. Yeah. Um, and then like I I will say I kind of enjoy this movie because Joan gets to have a lot of ideas and mm-hmm. have them like be right because mm-hmm. then basically they're puzzling it out and they're like. We overheard your horrible dad say that the only person who cared about this guy dying is his friend who's at the boarding house. And so what we need to do is to convince his friend to help us investigate because otherwise they're going to brush this murder under the rug or this death, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say, under the rug. Mm -hmm. So, So I guess I don't, it doesn't, it's not as necessarily though that they want to 100% convince Artie that, aliens exist 
but they are going over to his boarding house to convince him to help them investigate. Right. That's kind of where they're at. Yeah. Which is a tough sell because then they get to the boarding house and Johnny and Joan tell him the story and they're like, so you can see why you want to help us investigate because otherwise no one's going to investigate your friend's death. And he's like, no, no, um, your story doesn't convince me of that at Mm -hmm. all. I don't believe in aliens. I told my friend I didn't. Um, and at this point he's like, and I'm, and I don't even know that my friend's dead. You've just shown up telling me this cockamamie story. Right. As soon as he says that, he gets a call from the police telling him that his friend Joe is dead. He's died on the road. Artie hangs up the phone and turns to the two of them and is like, you were right all along. I believe everything now. And I'm like, (laughs) huh, I don't know. Um... But so now all three of them decide that they're going to go back to the site of the crash, not the saucer landing crash, the crash of the car, to investigate and to see if they can find evidence of aliens. Um, so Art brings both his camera and his gun, which will be important for the climax of the story. Yeah. We go back to the site of the car crash. Artie, Joan, and Johnny, um, they've left the cop car there. So they're like, here's the proof. It's this disembodied alien hand in in this car. Um, They all see it. Artie is even more convinced of everything that has happened as, and that the way they told the story is true. So then he's like, okay, I'm going to take a picture of this disembodied alien hand because... Um, in honor of Joe, I should make some money off this. Um, Mm -hmm. unfortunately to take the picture, he's using a flash and the flash bulb from the camera caught, well, they don't know this yet. He's trying to take a picture of it. And then the hand seemingly out of nowhere just starts smoking and then explodes (laughs) and then, Mm -hmm. and then disappears. Right. Like, explodes, and then there's, like, literally no material left. Um, as that trans... Once that happens, it turns out that the aliens have been watching the three of them from the bushes this whole time, and they start to attack. Um, do you want to try and describe what these aliens look like? I mean, it's very hard because it's hard to, um, is this the part where they attack the cow? That, I think, happened earlier. Okay, well, um, let me just explain really quick the part with the cow. Like, what, sure. Because it was so weird. And that was the, the point where I was like, I don't know what I'm looking at right now. Because it was like, first of all, like, the cutting was a little bit weird where it would, like, cut to one thing, then cut to something else, and then cut back. But these aliens, I think what what I can surmise they look like based on the bad lighting is like big ass heads. Yes. Sort of. Very big and bulbous. Yes. Yes. Big like teardrop shaped heads, I guess you would say like, or, yeah. you know, oval, whatever. Um, and then like little bodies. But when it was attacking the cow at one point, <laughs> that was, it was great. Like, I fr- I've been, it was, I'm looking to try and figure out when that happens. And 
I can't quite but, like, figure there it was, out. Like, there was like a close up of like the crazy like uh, aliens like finger blades going into the cow, <laughs> yes. and then and then there was the close up of the cow's horn going into the alien's eyeball, and then there was like a wider shot which looked like a cow, and they had put like a doll <laughs> on it. They had like taped a <laughs> like dummy on it that the cow was just like trying to get off its face. Yes, um, that it was that's. So they look basically like your, I guess, your stereotypical, like, little, little green, men. green men. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, um, definitely these, um, yeah, they have to have been, like, dummies or maybe puppets of some persuasion. Yeah. Um, they're never more than probably three feet tall. Yeah. Um, big bulbous head, weird creepy eye. It looks like maybe they, like, are wearing some sort of a jumpsuit. You know, um, mm-hmm. but like they're wearing like all black, which doesn't help with the, being no, able to it was see them very really, well. Well, because just imagine, like I don't know if this was whatever, like the actual props looked like in this movie, but like can you imagine? You're like, okay, so the woods green, the bushes green. Um, the we said they're little green men, so they got to be green too. Um, how are you going to show eyes like in a green face poking out of a green set of leaves from a bush? Like, uh, it's not good. I feel they probably would have done better if they had been like, well, you know, we say the phrase little green men, they don't have to be green. <laughs> right. Or like somebody looking at dailies might've been like, you really can't see anything here. Yeah. Um, but so they attack, the three of them. Um, and again, this is where um, we don't really see the aliens attacking. We hear and see Joan, Johnny, and Artie describing their attack. Um, mm-hmm. And being like, turn off the lights. Do this thing. Oh my God, here they come. <laughs> um, and so, like, I now realize the reason that the aliens attack is because the humans have learned that they are very sensitive to bright light. Because mm. when Artie tried to take a picture of the disembodied alien hand, the light from his camera caused it to explode. And in this attack, um, he first tries using his gun on them, but that does nothing. But since they're in this car... Um, oh, because they've taken Joan's car to do this investigation. Mm. And so they're like, turn on the headlights. No, turn on. And she has like some special additional super powerful light on her car. Um, mm-hmm. And then that's when they work out that it's the light uh, that is harmful to the aliens. Um, mm. And this I don't entirely understand um, the aliens, oh, maybe this is what happens. Artie, oh, that's what it is. So it looks like the aliens are about to overrun all three of them. And mm-hmm. so Artie kind of sacrifices himself. He's kind of like, I'm going to run away. That might give you a chance to escape. And mm-hmm. so then he gets kind of like carried off by the aliens. And then... Um, Joan 
And Johnny, and again, this is mostly Joan's idea. She's mostly the ideas person <laughs> of this relationship. She has the brains behind a lot of this. Which is really like, yikes. Um, <laughs> because she's like, we've got to save Artie. We didn't see them kill him, so we have to assume he's still alive. And the way we can get the police to come out and investigate out here is by turning ourselves in. Um, and then that will bring the police back out to the crime scene. Although I'm not sure how that would happen because they've presumably already gotten the evidence that they need. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, they, uh, call, they go back to the farmhouse to call the police to turn themselves in. And then mm -hmm. when they try and do that, the police are like, oh, we've, we're not looking for you anymore. And they're like, <laughs> we're over you. What? And they're like, oh, yeah, we did an autopsy. And we've learned that, like, yes, you did hit this guy with your car. But he was already dead because he had a heart attack from too much booze. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, no, no. You have to come here and arrest us. <laughs> uh, which the police are like, we're not doing that. Um, so they, so now Joan and Johnny are really confused because they want to save Artie and they know that these aliens are running around. They know that they're the only people who know that the aliens are doing all this terrible shit. So again, Joan is like, I think our friends at Lover's Point will help. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so. And are these people all just still ass there? Yes. They like have, how much time has elapsed? Even I'm though curious. the police have been sent to try and like dislodge them from this place. It hasn't worked. They're still all at Lover's Point. Um, in terms of how much time has passed, let's say no more than four hours. Yeah. It, and maybe even less than that based on how the movie ends. Because then Joan and Johnny come to Lover's Point and they're like, we need your help. The aliens have come. We've been through this. <laughs> like, since we left you two hours ago, things have gotten We've really had Bad. Things have taken a turn. Um, and we could really use your help because no one else will believe us. Will you believe us? And everyone was like, yeah, lead the way. <laughs> um, so then they're driving in a big convoy down the road. And Johnny's like, okay, remember kids. Um, which I love when people say kids to <laughs> like a group of people. Um, he's like, remember kids, I'm going to give you the signal. We're going to surround the aliens in our cars. And when I give you the signal, you have to turn on your headlights. And they're like, yeah, we're ready. So they find the aliens. The aliens, um, because this is not very good effects, the aliens are just all standing together in a circle. Um, they, they like jettisoned their flying saucer. And I guess what we're supposed to, because like the, the Air Force story, I think is supposed to tell us that the, the ship got damaged somehow. Mm -hmm. And so then all of the aliens came off of it to try and do something. Mm -hmm. So all of them are now huddled in this group that the teens are able to drive around in a circle very easily. Uh, they all park such that then uh, Johnny kind of does the signal. They turn on their lights all of the aliens explode almost immediately. <laughs> Love that. And um, it turns out that Artie is okay. 
Um, but he's gotten extremely drunk since they last mm-hmm. saw him. And now, I don't remember quite how they've worked this out. Uh, mm-hmm. But they are like, oh, yeah, I smelled like booze. They said Joe died of too much booze. Now Artie's really drunk. And, but, like, not, oh, I guess they did see the hand. And I forget which one of them says this, if it's Joan or Johnny, but one of them is like, oh, that's what they did. They injected booze into people. That was their defense, was to do that. And so, Mm -hmm. if you were sober and got attacked by them, you would survive. But if you were Uh already drunk... Then you were going to die. Yeah, you'd have a, like, a die of alcohol poisoning, basically. Mm. Um, It's a good reason to stay sober, I guess. Was this, like, is this, like, a morality tale of not getting drunk? (laughs) I I mean, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I mean, actually, you're right. Because it's teenagers and meant to be for teenagers, that probably is one of the messages, is that Mm. being drunk is deadly. Um, (laughs) Which... Uh, I, I feel like I could have come up with a little less like roundabout way to go. I will say, say it, but okay. as someone who has gotten drunk quite a bit in her day and in her life, <laughs> so so far I haven't died from it. Um, well, <laughs> but maybe also there's something there of like don't drink and drive. Maybe that's sure. part of it. Don't really know. Um, but so so anyway, happy ending. Um, <laughs> Aliens are neutralized. Uh, the Air Force is happy because they feel like they've hidden the information they need to hide. Um, mm-hmm. Farmer Larkin shows up at the end, shooting his gun in the air, and all the kids leave his property. Joan and Johnny finish off the movie for us by saying that they're now like that. So, like, I guess it's still got to be fairly early in the night because they're going to get back to their elopement plans. My God. Um, <laughs> what did this movie start at 5 p.m.? I don't know. It looked dark. Like it, I know. The whole time it was pitch black. It looked like night, which is like, okay, so am I, what if, so if it's night and it's dark, but a lot of stuff happened, but there's still enough night for you to get a, an elopement, does that mean that it got dark at 5 p.m., in which case it's yeah. winter, but then Joan is running none around of them in a sleeveless dress? <laughs> yeah, I like, know. There's some problems. Um, so I don't really know what's happening. Um, but then the final thing that takes us out of the movie is Artie's voice coming back saying, like, and that's the end of the story. And I turned out okay because you're now listening to my voice reading the book that I wrote about my experience. <laughs> and so now I'm a millionaire just as planned. And you're like, okay, oh great. God. And then... An alien hand slinks across the final title card, which says, until next time. Oh, my God. (laughs) What a trip. I mean, I will say I didn't have as much fun with this as I had with the Wasp Woman. Yeah. But it was very reminiscent of the Wasp Woman to me in a a number of ways. Um, And... So yeah, I I would say I I probably enjoyed talking about it more than I enjoyed watching it. Um yes. but it still overall I would say was like went down fairly smooth as Yeah, and I mean go. It, like 
And it was free. It wasn't something we had to pay for. You can find it on Tubi. Yeah. If anyone wants to watch it. Um, so that part helps me when I have to pay for it. And it's like a bummer. Um, I'm like. <laughs> Very resentful about it. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. Yawns and eye rolls. Uh, one yawn is uh, just gripping, gripping stuff. And ten yawns is like, I recall nothing from this. <laughs> what Ooh. would you give it? Oh, that's like my memory problems. But um, I think partially because of the black and white aspect of it and like being unclear as to what I was seeing a lot of times mm-hmm. that took, that took me out of it a little bit. So I might, I might go just like middle of the road, like five. Yeah, I agree with that. Like I said, it's because I kept wanting it to be the wasp woman and it <laughs> just wasn't quite as campy yeah. or as fun as that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I agree with you a five, like it's fine and it's short. So that's yeah. good, but like not yeah. quite as fun as some other stuff uh, in this same vein. Yeah. Um, and then for eye rolls, which is a bit a potentially <laughs> concerning one. Um, <laughs> one eye roll is like, you know, it's a monster movie from the 50s. Uh, mm. And then 10 eye rolls is like, this is just a no. <laughs> like, just can't do it. Uh, what hmm. would you say? Ooh, it's, eye rolls is a little tough too because while I do think the idea of like alien invasions and um, you know, the back road towns and a, like a farmer man and all that is like relatively, um, that's done a lot. Like that's no, there's nothing new there. Um, there are aspects of it. I don't feel like I've ever, and not that I'm the expert, but I don't feel like I've ever heard of them like injecting you with alcohol or like having alcohol. No, that was a very weird nature of it. That was a very weird choice. Yeah, and I've never seen, like, <laughs> the drippy, like, nail thing. Um, so there's definitely some, like, eye-rolly aspects of it and just, like, the effects overall. So I think I'll go, like, seven. That's interesting because, like, <laughs> I agree with you, and yet I'm, I might do the opposite way because... Mm. Because we don't actually see a lot. We're told a yeah. lot of things, but we don't see a lot of things. So, yeah. like, um, there's not an opportunity for you to be like, oh, please, this is ridiculous. Because <laughs> they, like, yeah, I guess probably they were just like, the effects are, like, too hard or too expensive or whatever. Yeah. So so there was a lot of, like, that we're going to show somebody else's face reacting to something rather than the something mm. that they're reacting mm-hmm. to. So I yeah. guess I would go the opposite and probably be more like it's a three because mm. there's just, it's just watching people running around. React. Just, like, <laughs> running around on that, a soundstage. Yeah, true. Maybe what I will say is that I did like those kinds of workarounds to make up for mm. the weirdness of the special effects or the lack of them um, yeah. or the lack of their quality. Like I enjoyed yeah. it. I thought it was like, theatrical like and by that I mean like it seemed like a play you know it's like we can't provide these kinds of effects 
So you have to experience this in a different way with things that we can mm-hmm. do. Um, and I like that element of it. And so like the soundscape, sure. Mm-hmm. Certain kinds of visual representations of stuff, sure. Um, mm-hmm. but, the, but the result is, it's like, well, but this is a movie though. <laughs> so like right. it doesn't work quite the same as if we were doing this on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so overall, did you like this and would you recommend it? Um, <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I did. I thought it was fun. It was like, it was weird and 50s. I guess, I mean, it's so hard. Like, like, found it intriguing versus like is like, mm. Sure. Um. I don't know that I would recommend it. Um, that would, it would be a niche recommend for me. Like, Fair enough. Um, I'd be like, if you really like weird, like 50s-ish stuff, maybe if you're like deep into uh, a love for um, sci-fi, alien abduction or alien invasions, maybe. But overall, probably not. Yeah, I would say I enjoyed this. Um, not clearly not as much as the wasp woman. Um, (laughs) it was very pleasant. It went down smooth. It's just over an hour. Um, and it does, I guess probably what I liked most about it is it seems like such a time capsule of a certain type of movie and a certain type of story that now a similar thing might be told, but not in the way that it was done here like it just is very 1950s in a way that yeah I enjoyed um yeah and so I guess what I might say in terms of recommendation is I think probably anyone could enjoy elements of this so maybe you don't have to watch the whole thing um Mm -hmm. but maybe you want to take a peek at some of it just to see like what like when I when we say disembodied alien hand whatever you're picturing is not what was on the screen (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yes. Right. 100%. I would that. Yes, that would be my same recommendation. Like take some clips. And yeah. Check it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, And that may exist somewhere on YouTube, like for all I know. Um, But also, I will say part of the reason I chose this movie is because I realized I don't think we've done a lot of like alien wet mouth or alien goo in a while not in a while um, and they didn't they didn't show a whole bunch of it no in here. but we, like, here we had was, alien liquid yes um, we did have liquid <laughs> liquid metal fingers or liquid drippy um, just drippy drippy <laughs> and again you won't know what that looks like until you see a clip yeah you gotta see it it doesn't look like whatever you're picturing it just yep. simply does not um, yep. so in that sense, we both maybe encourage you to do a little bit of that if you're yeah, interested. Sure. Um, yeah. well, thank you so much, Amy. It's been a pleasure <laughs> as always. I am Sarah and we will see you next week in Spain. Ooh. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.